Welcome to Ascend and Transcend. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson, and today's guest is Sarah Haley, and she's one of the most sought after pre and postnatal exercise specialists. She has a huge following on Instagram, and she's a mom of four, so she knows what she's doing. Today, we're going to talk about how to embrace our mom bods, and that can be if your kids are 12 years old or maybe you just had a child. We're going to talk about you know, the ups and downs of it, what kind of expectations we should have around our body. And we're going to specifically talk about diastasis recti, how to heal that and some things that you can start doing today to feel more confident in your mom bod. Sarah, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really excited about our conversation today. We were chatting a little bit before we hit the record button about, you know, what we think could be the most beneficial topic for moms right now. And we talked about this idea of body positivity and radical acceptance for your body. And I think that that's great. And I think we all strive for that. But at the same time, there are definitely moms looking in the mirror right now and they're seeing you know, a little bit of loose skin or stuff in their stomach, and they're having judgmental thoughts about their body and they're wanting to change it. So in your professional opinion, where do you think that common ground is between accepting our bodies and feeling really grateful for what they're able to perform, and then also being able to feel physically strong so that we can feel mentally strong? I think part of it is accepting the fact that that's the way you are going to feel. It's kind of like mom guilt. People always ask, like, how do you get rid of the mom guilt? I'm like, you don't. You just get better at accepting the fact that you have mom guilt. And once you can accept the fact that, like, you are going to have these thoughts, like, trying to get rid of the thoughts to me is is not going to happen, for one. And so then just accepting the fact that you have these thoughts. And I think part of the situation is, I don't know about you, but prior to having a kid, I did not really pay a lot of attention to my right. belly. Now, I can also say this because right. I'm a person that worked in fitness full time. Right. So granted, I had Body, a really stomach, great yeah. belly, but I, I didn't look at mine. I wasn't paying attention to other people's. And then I remember, I so my oldest is 11. My kids are 11, almost eight, four, and two. And so a decade ago, I can vividly remember this being postpartum for the first time and walking down the street, having this, you know, Looking pregnant, right. but I was no longer pregnant. Which happens. Right, which is a huge thing to accept at first. Happens because people even ask you, oh, when, oh, when, when do you do? And you're right. like, well, I haven't had the baby. Yet. I had the baby. Yeah. Or, or, or right. I had the baby yesterday. Right. Or I had the baby last week. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so I remember walking down the street and being like, whoa, all these people look pregnant and they're not. Wow. Yeah. Right. And then experiencing, and then with my second experiencing diastasis for the first time, where you often do look pregnant for a really long time after having a baby because your abs have stretched. And then that too, and realizing, oh my gosh, all yeah. these people have diastasis. I still have it. Looking at men yeah. and being like, oh, they have diastasis. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm experiencing a little bit of it, of it after this fourth time around too. And my point to this being, I didn't look at people's bellies like this until I was in this situation myself. And then I'm thinking, oh, are all these other people having these thoughts? And they probably are. So I think that recognizing that you have these thoughts, they're going to happen, knowing that there are so many other women and men Mm -hmm. having thoughts like this. And then you have a couple of choices. One is being like, this is a season of life where I have time to, you know, work on these things or I don't. (laughs) 
And I do, th- I, I talk about seasons of life a lot. And I mean, the pandemic was a huge right. example, right? Like this is a season of life where I just need to hunker down and be with my kids and exercise and working on myself is just going to have to, you know, go down the mm-hmm. ladder of priorities. And then how do I live with that? Knowing that I can't make myself a priority. And it's, it is, it's a lot of self-talk, but it's a lot of, I think, of, of understanding that that can't yeah. be the priority right now. Um, and then there are things, and I hate to be the one that's the, you know, going to break the bad news, everyone. Some of these things don't change. So skin is skin. I have a friend who just had her first baby and she's like, but when is my skin going to go back? You don't want to tell her. Like, well, it, <laughs> it might it not. Might, it might not. I it, it 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 might not. But like, I look at that every day. I was thinking there was a song. I think I think it was actually like an Instagram yeah. real song that got stuck in my head because I've seen so many of it going on and on. And I kept thinking because a lot of times when these reels happen, you know, I'm like, well, how can I how can I take that and work it for yeah what I love to talk about most? And whatever it was, it was something about accepting your belly for what it is and all the things that it has done to improve your life, right? My my skin yeah. is totally different. Diastasis is something I'm going to have to continue to correct for the remainder of my life. I will never be able to do the crunches that I once did in, like I, in my 20s. And what's the alternative to not have the four right. children in my life that have changed it for the better? Uh, and I think that self-talk can can really start to improve things. Right. Like, what's the alternative here? Same thing with, I mean, I'm I'm in my early 40s. And so my, I'm less concerned about my belly and now concerned with, oh my gosh, I have this right. aging skin. And how do I, how do I have that self I think that now? this, yeah, it's this expectation, right? For ourselves and this external conditioning that you need to like snap back right away, which I hate. I remember after I had my first, I went on my first work trip with a colleague and it was, you know, probably 10 weeks postpartum. And he actually like slapped the top of my behind and said, wow, you really snapped back quick. And I was mm. horrified, you know, but then also I felt like, okay, like I, I did it. You know what I mean? I, I hit the expectation of a complete asshole. You know what I mean? This guy was no idea, you know, what, it, what your body's going through after performing, you know, this miracle of giving birth. But I felt like, it was this great feeling of like, I did it, but then also this, oh no, like, so this is what it is. And if I have another one, I was terrified of having my second child because I thought, oh no, you know, maybe I won't. I had a six pack after the first one, um, even though it was still had diastasis, I was actually holding like a 40 pound, you know, plate and doing side um, crunches, which just ripped. I mean, it just ripped the muscles even further, but it was this crazy expectation in my head of like, I'm going to be like the Kelly Rippas of the world who have all these kids and then come out thinner and actually more muscular afterwards. And that didn't just, you know, you're not born with these expectations. So this comes from someplace. It comes from the fitness magazines, putting Mm -hmm. people on the cover who are three months postpartum and have a flat stomach. And I think it just makes this wildly inaccurate um, ideal of what we're supposed to look like. And then, you know, Amy Schumer, even at the Oscars, she's talking about postpartum. Oh, it's two years. Don't I look good? You know, all this stuff. And it was like, I get it. She's trying to be self-deprecating. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Jesus, like we don't need to be judging women's bodies, number one, period. 
But then after postpartum, I feel like everybody has this opportunity they feel to weigh in, you know, on how you're doing or wow, it's, it's really fast. And when you do that, you're now planting that seed in that woman's mind that, you know, if she has another one, well, you better do it again. And it gets harder, right? And your skin is different after the second one. And my daughter, Delilah, came in. And it depends on how old you are when you had your babies. I mean, I can speak to that as somebody who had two kids in my 30s. Well, three, well, let's say two kids in my early 30s. And then my later two were late 30s. And then my last one was at 40. It's very different, right? So I will tell you, it's very different. Not only, I mean, I will never know if it was because of my age or because it was number three and four, but there's so many other factors. And when you look at these people in the magazines, I will tell you, even Amy Schumer has a trainer. I mean, she, she I saw her on her Instagram. So I know Amy from New York. We, oh, nice. we, did, we did some shows together and she is amazing and awesome. And I'm so proud to have watched her become who she is. But I even saw on her Instagram, she did a shout out to Harvey Pasternak. Or yeah. I say like name? the celebrity guy. Something yeah. like that. He's a huge celebrity to the stars. So she, I mean, and how awesome yes. for her to actually shout that out. I actually was really, I thought that was really cool. A, to give that trainer some credit, but also to say, right. like, that's how I did You know, she had, she put herself on, uh, I, I guarantee you, she put herself on an eating plan. She had somebody watching her kids so that she could really focus on, you know, looking her best for the Oscars, working with that trainer however many times a week. Right. Her husband's a chef. <laughs> and she copped to having lipo. You know, there are all these factors. Yeah. She's like leading with it in all of, all of her pre, because of her new show that's out. She was like leading with like, they'd say, oh, you look great. And she's like, great, thanks. I had lipo. Like she's just saying it right off the jump, which I think is this other really good thing, you know, that people, if you're doing it, like just be straight with us. You know what I mean? I think that's actually empowering. Right. And I think the same thing with the aging. Like I have a lot of friends who are like, well, yeah, well, I had Botox. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for saying that because I can't get rid of my wrinkles. (laughs) Right. So at least I know that that's what you're doing. But I I do, I I, same thing. I, I appreciate people owning it so that everyone's like, well, what's the magic? Like, do you have a magic skincare? And you're like, well, no, yeah. I just had this procedure. So I do appreciate that as well. And knowing that, I think having, all, right. it's, it's all about knowledge, right? Knowing that that's what people are doing so that you don't have these unusual expectations. Knowing that people have the finances to have all these people helping yeah. them. And I don't mean that you can necessarily then use it as an excuse to not put in the work, but I think it does help with managing your emotional expectations. Yeah. So let me ask you, Sarah, what is kind of the number one complaint or obstacle that clients are trying to get over when they reach out to you or they enroll in any of your programs? Is it too late? Oh. That's the question I get. Oh, but I had my baby 14 years ago or, oh, I had my baby two years ago or, or six months ago or whatever. It's it's never it's never too late to make a change. Uh, I mean, think of it like anything else. Is it too late to get a haircut? No, it's not too late to get a haircut and it's not too late to work on, and it's usually because they have diastasis, which we we mentioned that earlier real quick, but that's, so when your baby is growing, your abdominals need to stretch. And and moreover, the tissue that connects, if you can picture like the six pack of Mm -hmm. your abs and that tissue that runs down the middle of the six pack, separating the two sides, that tissue stretches and allows your baby to grow or to have room to grow. And sometimes that tissue will stretch too much and what happens as a result is once you've had your baby, there's a big separation between the abdominals. There's going to be one no matter what, mm-hmm. but in some of us, it stretches more so, whether that's because we had multiples, whether it's because it's our second or third kid, whether it's because we have a tiny body and had this huge baby, 
There's so many reasons why, or because you started with one to begin with and you didn't know it. And then it just got exasperated by your pregnancy or because you did quote unquote, the wrong exercises to make it worse, which is why everyone's like, thinks I'm on this campaign to end crunches. And I'm like, no, I just think there's so many other better exercises and the chances of you doing crunches correctly Unless you have been, you know, training for a long time or yeah. are a fitness expert, more likely than not, I see people do crunches incorrectly. So it's just like, I'm like, why don't we just work on something else? Oh my God. I just did them yesterday. I'm sure I did them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say I've never, I, I, you know, on occasion I still do them too because they're. It's what we're taught. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's what we're taught. And there are some really cool ones that, that for me, it's all like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah. Um, but. To get back to to the original question, yeah, so what happens is then a lot of times the abs separate, and then if you can imagine that, it looks like our belly is protruding, and you'll see this a lot of times. I mean, I just saw this, one of my um, kids had this music concert, and this woman sat in front of me, and her kids were all teenagers, and she was super tiny, very thin arms and legs, and then it looked like she was pregnant, but I was like, there's no way this woman's pregnant. And 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 could it, could it be a tumor? It could, definitely could be a tumor, um, right. but I was thinking she has to have diastasis. People don't talk about that, Sarah, though. I mean, I feel no. like to your point, you don't know the exercises that you're doing wrong. I was doing all oblique work, heavy oblique work when during both of my pregnancies. I didn't know that I was probably just, you know, pulling my abs apart even more. And I have like a little pooch too. And I was actually, it's actually not funny, but I was like a year ago, I was out walking around Encinitas. I was on vacation with some girlfriends. I was walking to Starbucks and I was in like, you know, little Lulu shorts and a, a tight tank top and a car slowed down this woman, this younger woman. And she rolled down the window and she goes, oh my God, aren't you so cute with your little pregnant belly? And I was horrified. I was like, oh no. And I, I was sobbing. I remember walking back to, you know, my girlfriends at this beach house. And I was like, well, evidently I'm pregnant. You know, my kid is four or five at the time. And I just felt like, number one, I was horrified that somebody would slow down a car. But then I thought, it's kind of like how you're like, well, she must be pregnant because I felt toned everywhere else. But I just don't feel like there's enough awareness for it's diastasis, right? Is that how you pronounce it? And diastasis, some pronounce it di- diastasis as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like Kegel, Kegel. Same yeah. Thing. But I think that this is just part of like lump it all into the shit that they don't tell you about pregnancy or postpartum. Like it's just not really talked about. It's way more, I feel like in the last couple of years. Yeah. And some of us don't really know how to engage our deep core muscles prior to pregnancy because we didn't have to. It's right. like- learning how to squeeze your glutes when you do a squat. And as we get older, our muscles kind of turn off unless we talk to them. Uh, They just get lazy. (laughs) Tell me more about that. So like, just like really focusing on the contraction. Yeah. So it's like, if even like a bicep curl, like if you, like you could do bicep curls and just, you know, watch TV and not really think about it. Or you could stand there and put your focus into like the curl and you like, Focus on the bicep and talk to yourself and say, I'm going to make my bicep do this work. My bicep's going to do this work. (laughs) And you're going really slow and focusing on that. And you will feel it more in your bicep. 
Wow. Okay, that's a good nugget. That's a great tip. I don't think any, right. I don't know. And I know a lot of people like to disconnect while they're working out. But I say as we get older, you need to reconnect. And the great thing about doing that is then you can forget about everything else that's going on in your life. Totally. Like if I'm just focusing on my bicep curl, I'm not going to think about the laundry I have to do later or my aging skin or any of the other things that are right. filling up my mind. So I think that that's what's really great. And the same thing, you can do the same thing with your abdominals. If you can start to really think about connecting deep, 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 deep. And, and that's why I, the the saying pull your belly button to your spine is gets a really bad rap right now from pre and postnatal people specifically. I don't give it a bad rap because I understand why instructors say it. It's an easy way to to start to get to people to connect their deepest core muscles. But what a lot of pre-postnatal people don't like about it is that it often will ruin the rest of your posture because you're thinking of like kind of sinking and connecting or totally. you're squeezing certain muscles too much. So I understand why they don't like it. But a lot of times you're like, I only can say something really fast because I'm teaching this class. Or I, I I also think there's there's some detriment to over-explaining things sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a tangent I could go off on. <laughs> But so you think, I mean, you've got so many good resources and you guys have to follow her TikTok and her IG. It's so great. I feel like you give, you're so generous with like free content and tips and. Right. But my point was that is a lot of us don't know how to connect it prior to pregnancy. And then, and then postpartum, we jump back in like we were before we were pregnant and we still aren't doing the things that we probably already needed to know how to do. And that's what's tricky is -hmm. that you've now stretched out these abdominals and we really need to put our focus, be mindful about how we're training. So you can't just go back into a plank and expect everything to just go back to how it was. You need to put your focus on pulling. If you can think about pulling those abdominals back together, like a course that's being pulled around your belly, think about mm-hmm. that while you're doing your planks. Or if you decide to do crunches, that's the least I would expect you to do is please start to put your focus onto those muscles. Yeah, You can't just mind, you know, mindlessly go about your movement anymore because you've had this, you know, almost trauma happen to your body. Right. How do you feel about waist trainers? I actually like them in the first four or first eight weeks because your body doesn't know what to do yet. And I do feel like it can help to bring the muscles back together. Now, here's the one caveat to that is if you're pulling them too tight, they can sometimes exasperate or cause a prolapse, which is a whole Mm -hmm. other topic. But that's when um, your vagina or not your vagina, so your bowel, your bladder or your uterus can start to protrude through the vagina. It like drops. You don't want too much pressure to go on that. But I think that can happen often when people are wrapping themselves way, way too tight. So I think a bind that can kind of start to help those muscles come back together, especially when you're going about your day-to-day activities, it can also provide some good back support. Mm -hmm. But after eight weeks, your muscles can start to do that on their own. So to use a waist trainer to try to make your waist smaller I don't, I think it's silly. Yeah. 
I used one and it wasn't super, super tight, like after my first. And I did it pretty religiously for about a month after. And I feel like it definitely helped. After baby number two, though, I just was so desperate to sleep, like, because I slept in it. And it was like, no, like it just, it wasn't, at that point, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, that's what I tell people. I actually didn't know about it after my first. And then after my second, and I already knew that I was going to have some diastasis, uh, my OBGYN even recommended it. And I did use it. But I tell people, do it when you can. Like you're saying it was uncomfortable when you were sleeping. Then I would say, don't wear it when you're sleeping. I remember there was one kid where I could only wear it when I slept. And then there was another kid that I could only wear it when I was awake. And I could only probably wear it two to four hours at a time. Yeah. To wear it all day long. Again, you're a new mom. There are so many other more important things. Right. But I do feel like if it brings you some comfort and some security, do it more for that than for trying to like whittle away at your waist. And again, after eight weeks postpartum, it's really pretty pointless. Yeah. I think too, I'd love to get your insights on this whole new, I feel like cultural norm of like body beauty. Before it was like, I don't know, I was like raised in the 90s when it was very Kate Moss. And then God love Beyonce and JLo came with like some backside meat. And now I feel like it's almost this totally dismorphed, you know, Coke bottle look where, you know, it's okay to have a behind and legs, but now everybody's waists are, you know, super, super, super tiny or super, super, super flat. And I feel like that's just another thing to like really shit on moms about too. It's like, I think that after you have a kid to be able to have that teeny tiny flat waist without any sort of surgical intervention is unrealistic. And I feel like now we're seeing a lot of celebrities where as long as your waist is snatched, you can have some fluff anywhere else. <laughs> and it feels like that's really dangerous too, because that is kind of the one area for moms, which, you know, how many billion of us are, that is like, okay, I could do almost anything but that, like to have this really dismorphed view of what this is supposed to look like. Like have clients come to you wanting like the Kendall Jenner abs and to look like this <laughs> after a baby. No, and you I mean you would think you would think it would be happening. I mean, I live outside of Los Angeles. Right. Uh I don't know. I mean, I think like attracts like, so I don't have yeah. those type of people hunting <laughs> me down. Because I think it's a joke. It's to your point. That was I mean, those women are doing so many surgeries. It's like okay. I can't even wrap my head around how much they're going under the knife. You know what I right. mean? So and also that's like genetics. I mean J-Lo and Kim Kardashian, I mean, that is just genetically how their body is. And somebody might look at you and say, well, how, how do you get your arms so muscular? And you're just like, well, genetically, I just, this is how my body is, right? Yeah. I mean, I have one of my best girlfriends. For as long as I've known her, I've known her since college, from until now, after she's had two kids, she has just these muscular arms and legs. And like, she could do nothing or she could be running marathons. And she always looks like that. And right. I just... I would ask yourself at this point in your life, and I don't, again, I don't want you to use this as an excuse, but who are you doing these things for? Who? Right. Right? <laughs> and who, <laughs> I just like. And what kind of example, like this is the other thing too. Like after I had my first, I was like, you know, everybody's boobs get deflated. At least mine did. And I wasn't working with a whole lot to start with. And I thought, okay, this is the one time I've actually thought like, maybe we should talk to somebody about this. Like maybe there's just teeny tiny boob implants, whatever. And then I've got these two girls and I'm like, man, 
I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. And I'm not judging anybody who does that. For me personally, and knowing my daughters, it would have been like a dog with a bone. Like, what are you doing? And why can't you pick me up? And why do you, you know? And so I feel like this is kind of this overarching discussion, right? Of like, at some point, we have to make a commitment to just let ourselves off the hook for certain things. And it doesn't mean letting your physical fitness just totally go, you know, in the back seat or just deprioritized. But to your point, Sarah, right? You're saying there's a time and a space to have shifting priorities. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, and I ask myself that too. Like, who are you doing this for? And I, I hate, oh, I hate, uh, this is going to sound a little, this is probably a little controversial, but these moms who go, well, I'm doing it for my daughter. I want her to see that, you know, I can train for a professional fitness competition. I'm like, what, you're showing her that you can eat egg whites all day? Like, I I don't understand what you're showing her because what you're doing is not natural. And and, and by the way, I'm not saying don't do that competition. Just own it. You are doing that for you. You have something to prove to you. But this is not about your kids because your kids do not care. They care if you'll sit and read a book with them. They don't care. But in the same note, I love that my kids see me work out every day. I encourage moms. They're all like, well, how do you get a workout when your kids are around? I'm like, you just keep doing it day after day. And then they see that that's part of your lifestyle. And I will say, I will say even to my two-year-old, mommy needs to do this and then we can do whatever you want. But this is for me right now. I need these 20 minutes and you just do it around them. And yes, it might not be the hour and a half that you did in your 20s, but the 20, 30 minutes and you can turn it on and you can work hard and you just move them to the side or you set up their toys in front of them or you give them their tiny weights. I mean, my toddler, I love it because I was not a person that loved working out at home, but the pandemic has turned me into a hermit. Yeah. And now he has his little weights and he sees me like turn on the TV and I blast whatever workout I'm going to do because I'm a group fitness girl at heart and I want to work out with somebody. Yeah. And then he gets his little weights out and he joins me. And that's what I want them to see, that mom took time for herself, that she wants to be strong. I love that. And that's yeah. what that's what I, that's what I want them to see. And maybe, yes, I'm doing that. I am absolutely 100% doing that for me. But there is definitely a part of me that wants them to see that this just becomes part of your lifestyle. And, and my, my older boys are athletes, and I think my younger ones will be too. And so it, that's already part of their lifestyle. But they worked out with me during the pandemic. We had, you know, gym class, and, and we did it all together. And yeah, and I, I love think that. it is great for them to see that that you have something that you're doing for yourself or something that you're good at. Yeah, uh, and your videos are and, so great too. You can see kids running around and stuff like that. I feel like you're definitely like a practicer of what you preach. And I'm of the same mindset. I'll tell them uh, even if they're like watching TV, I will go in and interrupt them and say, "I'm going to go meditate for 30 minutes," or "Mommy's going on a run," or whatever, because I want them to feel like it's that's something that they should be okay doing for themselves when they grow up right? Like it is okay to walk away and take care of yourself and have alone time. If it's a bath or even when you're going out with your girlfriends, you know, I'll, I won't try to sneak out. I look them in the eyes and say, I'm going to spend time with my friends. Right. And I deserve that. And cause I feel like it's got to then when they become moms, it will be more normal to be like, yep, mommy's going to work out. And maybe we can get rid of some of this mom guilt, even if it's through generational, you know, reconditioning of like, this is what the standard is, is that we take care of ourselves and we have grace with ourselves. And I think thinking about that too, the thoughts that getting back to your original question that we started this whole thing with, the thoughts that you're having 
Would you want your daughters and sons to have those thoughts? What's the language you're using around them? Uh, I talk yeah. to my daughter a lot about her strong legs that make her run so fast. Right. Yeah. I and mean, that's where I want that to be. Um, yeah. I mean, no doubt. Does she ask me like, mommy, do you think my dress is pretty? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Your dress is pretty, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we can have right. all those, we can have all those pretty things, but, uh, but I like to really make the language be around, um, you know, their strong legs and yeah. I their love beautiful that. smile and, and the things that don't yeah. you know, require you to fix. Right. Yeah. Well, I really have enjoyed our conversation today. I really hope that, you know, some of the listeners will be able to take away a few nuggets from this and for sure check out Sarah Haley's Instagram. We'll put links at the bottom of this. Um, Instagram, TikTok, and website. It's sarahhaley.com. I'm not that much on TikTok. I haven't figured it out yet. Oh my God. You so, figured it out more than uh, most people. Um, I, I've gone on there to play around, but I it, I can't wrap my head around it. I, okay. But I will. I, maybe someday I will. And so, so you can check me out. I think it's great. I Instagram think is fun. where I like to- Instagram. Okay. Go to Instagram. You want me to answer you? Come visit me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And what's your, what's your- Sarah okay. Haley Fit. Okay. H-A-L-E-Y. H-A-L-E-Y fit, yeah, F-I-T we'll at the end it. of it. <laughs> well, thank you for spending some time with us today. I know you've got four little ones who probably, if they're not at school, need you, at least the two-year-old's probably home with you. Or there's just a million other things that you're doing, being an entrepreneur and a mom. So you're an inspiration. And I'm grateful for the time spent with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. 